1: My name is Petrus Patsilovus. This is Caged In, a Nicolas Cage podcast. And for the last 30 years, I believed the perfect woman didn't exist. That was until January 1st, 2021, when I saw a tweet that read, I saw 97 Nicolas Cage films this year. The owner of that tweet is Marianne Zunberg. And today, January 7th, yes, Nicolas Cage's birthday. We're going to go through the highs and lows of Cage's career, as we discuss, amongst other things, her top and bottom five best and worst Nicolas Cage movies. How are you, Marianne? Are you well?
0: I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on on the holiest of days.
1: <laughs> How are you doing? I'm very well. How, have you, have you, do you have plans to celebrate Cage's birthday in any particular fashion?
0: I'm wearing a Raising Arizona t-shirt and I'm going to wear that to go get a COVID test later today. <laughs> so that's, that's my super fun day. Yes.
1: Amazing. So yeah. see, I, I guess it would be crass of me not to mention the, the, the wider world at the moment. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that has come out of obviously the, the devastation that has happened, the, the, the further rising of the far right is uh, i'm not sure if you've picked up on this a lot of people have used this as an opportunity to make cage jokes and like yes <laughs> i think like national them, treasure yeah <laughs> one of the best ones i think i saw was somebody put like oh maybe it is plausible that somebody could have stole the declaration of independence <laughs>
0: Yeah, I saw one that was like, you're telling me that Nick Cage could have just waltzed in and taken the declaration and the police would have helped him. So <laughs> dark, dark times, but a, a silver lining uh, <laughs> is is some Nick Black comedy in there. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. This is not to obviously make light of the, the tragic and horrible things that are happening in this world. Uh, of course. Here, here on Caged In, we like to keep things a little bit light and that that was a nice as you said a silver lining in this kind of shit storm of a start of the year and uh, <laughs> have you managed to obviously uh just two days ago the his, uh the history of swear words dropped on netflix have you yes you check it out at all
0: yeah i watched the first two episodes so i watched can i swear yeah,
1: <laughs> I yeah, watched, swear away
0: all right hell yeah i watched fuck and shit and uh they're, they're, they're a fun little uh little 20-minute way to pass through the like you know the the doom of existence in 2021. They're, they're like a nice little diversion. It's it's funny. It's uh, Nick does a great job, obviously, as usual. Um it, lo- it looks to me like he's maybe had a little bit of work done. Have you watched any of it? What? His
1: face looks a little different. I watched all of it yeah it's kind of like now it's become like my job to be like on top of things like people like I'm getting getting text messages like the evening of like have you watched it all yeah yeah I watched it this morning okay (laughs) yes sir yes (laughs) yeah
0: yeah I I can relate to that I got a lot of texts that were like did you know I was like of course I knew (laughs) um yeah did you notice like something something about his eyes and his eyelashes it looks a little bit uncanny am i am i reading too much into it am i am i getting too granular
1: here <laughs> well i i think it's the fact that he's he's obviously like it's no and we'll get to we'll get to his hair in some detail a bit later on in the podcast but sure there is the like you've got to be blind to to believe <laughs> that that nick cage has not had work done on his hair like his hairline, right all what was going, 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 and then it's like it's back. Surprise. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, right. and he looks like he's got a solid sponsorship with just for men as well. Like <laughs> and got this like this unnaturally black hair and beard that is like like obviously it's it's easy to mock him, but at the same time it's like, hey man, like you do you. Like he he looks great for it.
0: Right, I no, I I would never intend to mock him. It makes it more makes me sad about the the pressure that you know even aging men in Hollywood are feeling to you know look so Instagram filtered. <laughs> so I I want to encourage him to be like just let yourself age naturally. You look fine. Like there have been a couple movies where he has gray hair or in like gray chest hair, and I'm like just like lean into that. <laughs> just just go with that. You don't need the like shoe polish look. Just just yeah. embrace the gray.
1: Well, hopefully, I'm not stepping on any of your uh, favourites or worst Nick Cage films. But one of the ones I think he looked like great in is Army of One, where he's like, he's clearly embracing that. And like, like, yes. But what's really funny about that is I remember seeing press for it, and he really makes a point of saying like, they dyed my hair grey, and it's like, come on!
0: Oh my gosh! Oh man! (laughs) just lean into it it's natural and you look great whatever <laughs> whatever nick if you hear this you look great stop trying <laughs> you don't gotta
1: submit to those pressures it's okay yeah. man <laughs> I, I i think a personal like i think they're probably the most naturalistic acting wise and kind of like looks wise it's probably uh the film joe where like he's got that salt and pepper beard and it's like, yes he, yeah he's, I, I, I had no idea this was going to be so like uh how does Nick look centric but I'm loving it by the okay. way
0: <laughs> well I'm all about his image so this 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 makes sense to me <laughs>
1: Perfect. Let's, uh, well, we should have done a whole thing on the aesthetics of uh, Nicolas Cage um, <laughs> maybe um, that will be the next chapter of your podcast perfect so yeah. um, the way we're going to run this for you guys listening at home we're going to go with um, the number five on each of them and work down to one. So the list will be running concurrent. But before we get into your top fives, um, I always start off the podcast by asking, and I think it's a given on this occasion, are you a Nick Cage fan?
0: Yes. I emphatically, yes, I am a Nick Cage fan. When I started, um, at the beginning of 2020, when I started watching, setting out to watch every Nicolas Cage movie... I think I was kind of kidding myself saying, it's not that I love him. It's that I want to study him (laughs) as a media object. I want to take this academic approach and figure out like, oh, is it possible that his career is emblematic of you know certain trends of hollywood filmmaking like can i make that argument could i write this as a dissertation <laughs> but then uh but then it was on like my third rewatch of valley girl i was like oh no no i uh, <laughs> this is just an actor that i really enjoy watching so i want to i want to figure out why i enjoy it so much so yes mean, i'm a huge fan now
1: <laughs> i i i think i've got that similar journey of that thing of like i think as a kind of cultural milestone and a public figure. He is kind of at the same time really magnetic and enigmatic at the same time. It's as much as like he's on screen so much. It's like I don't tend to know that much about him. He's got this kind of old Hollywood air about him, of like, I don't know, he kind of sits up there with like, do you know what I mean? Like when when it was pre-internet, you know everything about everyone it's like yeah you may occasionally see like a a tmz thing of like him getting sushi with crispin glover but it's not like yeah. we know it's not like we know like when nicholas cage last had a shit like it's not like we know like the complete ins and outs do you know what I mean and like totally if he's getting snapped out in public it's because he's wearing like a pink leather jacket and he's got right. like a 20 <laughs> something year old fiance on his arm and it's like Right, he, he wants that out there, but like, do you know what I mean, no social media kind of like very um, managed like interviews where it's like it's not really to, too in depth on his life. I think, and I think it's because there is so much film talk to go through. Do you know what I mean? Like, right by the time you scratch the surface on like what were you doing in that one specific scene like what were you doing with your hands like by the time <laughs> you got to that like an hour's passed because like he's doing so much on screen so say like right like, right and <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah I'm so grateful that he's off of social media because it really um it allows his I think his screen persona to fill in any gaps that we might wonder about and you know instead of Instead of him tweeting about like how he feels about some movie that he just came out, you can kind. I feel like it forces us to infer from his performance, you know, whether this is the correct read of it or not. It's you know, it's uh, it's it's more fun. It, it's it's a lot more. There's more room for your imagination to run wild, and I think that's so important in maintaining his mystique.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 and that that is definitely what he's got. So, yeah, do you remember the first Nick Cage film you ever saw? Yes, yes. I
0: remember I saw National Treasure when it was in theaters. And I think I was 12 when it came out. So I just went with like, a bunch of my middle school friends because it was the Friday night blockbuster and there was nothing else to do. You know, it wasn't out of any particular interest in Cage or any interest in the subject matter. It was like, oh, this is the big Disney movie coming out. Let's go. And I remember being totally tickled by it. But at the time I was like, why didn't they cast like some young heartthrob to be, to carry this movie? Why didn't they cast, why isn't this like, I don't know, why isn't this a Josh Hartnett movie or something, you know, something silly like that. But um, that, that you know as as the 12 year old girl brain functions I was like where's the eye candy and then watching it now I'm like what was I thinking <laughs> like that's
1: <laughs> how dare I make that comparison when it came out well I guess in another like uh dimension there's a version of National Treasure with that era of Matthew McConaughey when he <gasps> was, like before he was like late like before he was kind of the McConaissance, like, do you know what I mean? Like Oscar Bell oh. Matthew McConaughey, when he was Sahara era, do you know what I mean? Or like how, sure. to, how to lose a guy. and Perfectly summed up by like most of the posters around that time was him like leaning against his co-star. Like yeah. Shirtless <laughs> nine times out of 10.
0: Oh my God, my jaw is on the floor. <laughs> I can't believe that was going to be him. I had heard, I you had know,
1: heard on I- your I, I don't mean that he, he could have been. I just mean like that is like the casting you would kind of expect around that.
0: Time. Right. Totally. Totally. That like that comedy adventure family friendly thing. I, I think I did. I hear it. Was it your podcast that I was listening to where you said uh, it was going to be Leonardo DiCaprio?
1: No, but that, oh my that God. would have been crazy if that. If that that was okay.
0: I was list, some something I was listening to about National Treasure, where they mentioned that it was, they pitched it to, as a Leo movie, and then when they were having a like a lunch meeting about it, Leo said, "No, no, no, I'm not right for this part. You need to cast someone who actually collects dinosaur skulls. <laughs> I have the perfect guy." it's nick cage what? i don't I don't know where i got that urban legend i'm gonna to have to look that up and let you know
1: <laughs> well that makes totally sense that um leonardo dicaprio would know about that because it was nicholas cage who outbid him for that dinosaur skull oh my gosh was stolen from mongolia and i think years later cage had to give that back so oh my gosh th- there's an element of national treasure to her to his own life whether it's <laughs> <laughs> at, at points he's owned two-headed snakes he's he's he's, he's oh obviously got got that pyramid he's owned castles he's owned I think the he's haunted house him. in new orleans yeah, yeah. the, 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 the lorry house and stuff like that and it's just it's the the guy the, it goes back to him just being so enigmatic and this this mystique and it's it's I don't truly know, I did think, you read
0: that uh sorry <laughs> did you read that interview uh that just came out, or I guess it came out over the summer, where Marilyn Manson interviews him for Interview Magazine.
1: You mean Nicholas Cage interviewed himself? Yeah. I'm sorry, you're right. That's what I meant. You're right.
0: The part that stuck out to me so much is when he talks about his pet crows. Mm.
1: <laughs> the controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't
0: believe how. Perfectly well, he has honed his own persona to get to the point where he can say, "Oh yeah, I've got pet crows and they swear at me." And it's just like, "Well, obviously,
1: of course he does. Of course, yeah. who else?" Yeah. I I have an image of Cage dressed up as like Edgar Allan Poe, <laughs> a, couple, a couple a couple of crows like adorning him. Yeah.
0: Never more. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Um. So let's get into your top fives. So let's first go with. Let's get the negative out of the way. So let's. Sure. Go- your number five of your bottom Nick Cage movies.
0: Okay, number five. First I'd like to say with these bottom five, I it's not that they're the worst performances of his, because I don't I think he's made some strange choices. I can't really call any of his performances bad, because there's there always something interesting going on. But in terms of subject matter and in terms of uh him you know my daydream of him receiving the script and saying yes this is the movie i will do next like i'm on board with this these are my bottom five uh number five is time to kill have you seen this one oh yes the, the, the italian yes. army one oh my gosh what a mess
1: <laughs> what a terrible mess a, a very weird subject matter as well it's yes fun a very bizarre subject matter and it's like when you look at like i like i kind of revisited that recently because i was like well like i didn't watch it but like i like doing some digging about it because the score is by ennio morricone so when right. he, <laughs> when he passed away i was kind of like uh, like having a little poke around being like hey is there any cage connections uh by, by any child? and found that and i was like Oh gosh. <laughs> that film's crap, like it's terrible. Oh my God,
0: it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening who don't know, this is one where he, Nicolas Cage, he's like in his, in his mid 20s. He looks great, but the movie is awful. He is in the Italian army and he's stationed somewhere in Africa and he rapes this woman. And then he becomes convinced that she had leprosy. So he's convinced that he has leprosy. And it's it is all handled so ham fistedly, and it's so racist and so so cringeworthy to watch with with twenty twenty one eyes. I just I could, my jaw was on the floor the entire time I saw it.
1: It's got that um, classic like Italian thing as well, where it's clearly it's recorded with like no it looks like it's recorded with no sound and then overdubbed as well right right
0: right right maybe everyone was speaking their native language that,
1: <laughs> on that, set yeah that's that a big kind of trope thing. with like it, italian cinema like uh, right the kind of 70s shallow films they kind of got everyone to speak in their mother's and it's like we'll make it make sense in the edit and like right you know, adr and it's 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 ah uh, yeah uh, I, I feel icky just like like thinking about that film. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I know. I it's... feel bad even bringing it up on our... here. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. No, Don't no, watch no, no. it. I'm gonna swiftly move on to your number five right. in best Nick Cage films.
0: Okay, <laughs> um, it's none other than Con Air, <laughs> which Perfect. I.
1: I said, put the bunny back in the box. Wow, couldn't you put the bunny back in the box?
0: I love i have, I unapologetically love it. There's so so much wrong with it, but it's uh it's the kind of movie where whenever it's on cable, you know, you drop everything and you watch the rest of it. It's just a wild ride in the uh, like m- maximalism and masculinity and uh, huge budgets and like cocaine fueled to cinema. <laughs>
1: and it's funny right it's re- it's like it's and i'm off the I- i'm off the belief that it's it's an intentional comedy mm. because totally simon west the director i think he came from like comedy and like doing like commercials and i think it was around that time when michael bay was like let 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 let's like get commercial directors to do these bud like these these films for us because we could probably get them at a cheap price. Yeah. And that, <laughs> they they know how to make things flashy, and then like right. that that film is like Cage is a man known for his choices, and it's like he chose to speak like that, and it's <laughs> it's hilarious. Like nobody, yeah. nobody in their right mind. Obviously, you could probably attest to this better than me. Nobody speaks like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I read that he he spent a good amount of time in Mobile, Alabama, working on that accent. And it's, <laughs> it's really a joy to listen to. And especially when he, <laughs> so much of the time, he has this like dead-eyed delivery with this super sing-songy Southern <laughs> accent coming out of his mouth. And it's such a disconnect. It's hysterical. I love
1: it. And it's kind of like it's that weird like era for Cage in that like I call it the testosterone trilogy of like the rock on and face off. Yeah. Sure. Like real kind of like but he's he's a part of that generation of everyman action heroes it's kind of like him and Keanu are probably the two that I think of like the most like because like, mm. the 80s it was very much either guys who were martial artists or like absolute like muscle-bound hunks like your Arnold Schwarzeneggers right. and Sylvester Stallone's but then like the 90s right. we've got these guys who were and I guess like the kind of first one would have been Bruce Willis and Die Hard and then like like Conair's probably not a thing because Cage is ripped in that, right? He's like, he's that's yeah, ridiculous. He's, yeah, he's fucking <laughs> sexy. It's probably like, it's, I think it's that and uh, kiss of death. Like, I think, like, I, oh my I, God. I, I mentioned this on Twitter today that, like, I think, like, the reason he is in Conair is kiss of death. I think, like, that that made like even though the film's not great people went like he can fucking get ripped he can get he, he, like he can get ripped and it's that kind of one-two punch of kiss of death and uh leaving las vegas that kind oh of oh my
0: gosh i the fact that his oscar performance and that trilogy of hyper masculinity are like <laughs> exist side by side in the late 90s like that is so fascinating like it's almost as though he had this blank check, you know, to do like the biggest budget things he could possibly get his hands on. Like, oh, you're going to do this little indie and make, (laughs) make a huge critical splash. Like let's completely swing the pendulum the opposite direction (laughs) and get you in walking away from explosions as often as possible, (laughs) which in therein lies the super, magnetic force of cage is that you think like oh he's only going to do oscar performances now no no he's going to wear a crazy long-haired wig and like do one-handed push-ups in the jail cell or like lift a stripper over his head (laughs) you know he's it's he contains multitudes truly
1: (laughs) yeah there's a great like photo i love from the set of um connor that's him and patricia arquette just kind of like hanging out between takes and like Mm. I, like, look back to that and like, that is the coolest couple in cinema like, ever. <laughs> like, yeah. they, they just look, they like, it's like, I don't know. And especially, like, the choices both of those made around that time. And I think, I, yeah, again, not that like, I don't, I, we, we might get to it, but, like, I think the stage after that kind of hyper-masculine era, it gets even, like, his career gets even more interesting for me. like. In, in in the kind of choices he makes and stuff like that but um sure. obviously i i could talk about Connor for absolutely hours but let's go <laughs> on let let let's let's swing that pendulum the other way and let's go, let's, do it. let's go to the bottom of the barrel with your number four pick
0: sure um i think that would have to be inconceivable
1: nick cage he was the right person for this role he was
0: brilliant beyond brilliant I love working with Nick. We did Face Off together. This is the first time we've worked together since then, and he's just easy. We have a really relaxed, easy chemistry together. It's a shame that it's not a comedy because we really should be doing a comedy together. Have you seen this one? Oh, very much so. I'm I'm like flipping through my notebook, trying to look at like what year... 2017, you know, one of, one of a a cool five movies he was in that came out in 2017 and it just, oh my God, It's, it's about, uh, it's about a surrogacy, uh, pregnancy like gone gone very wrong and the, the fact that they they titled it with that hideous pun just <laughs> makes me want to pull my hair out i ugh, i never ugh, i never want to sit through that one again i don't think
1: <laughs> i'm not sure if you've ever seen the Lindsay lohan film i know who killed me <gasps> no i haven't tell me more it's it's this like i want to say like, i don't know i can't remember it too well but it's again it's like this over like hyper weirdly sexual, like a very much a throwback to those '90s like erotic thrillers, like like inconceivable is uh-huh. in a way of like that kind of bunny boiler thrillers. Sure, and I think it's it's something to do with like a consciousness is thrown to somebody else, and like they they kind of like it's very but like inconceivable, and it's it, like i know who killed me is not a good film <laughs> like inconceivable made me long to watch that because i was like <laughs> oh, i'd I, I, like okay, I, yeah I, I did a whole episode on this and my my guest uh ed jefferson like informed me that that movie was filmed over two weeks
0: that that makes perfect sense <laughs> It seems like they did one take of each scene, and they said, "You know, got it. Print it. Let's go. <laughs> like, let's move
1: move right on." That was perfect. And the director is, you know, like the the mum's like I'm not sure who he is, but like he, he's kind of like positioned as uh, Cage's mum's boyfriend, like the very like heavily plastic surgery guy who like works at the hospital later on in the film as well. Sure. That's the director. Oh
0: God. <laughs> Okay, things are making more and more sense.
1: <laughs> who is, who is for all intents and purposes, uh, a bit of... He's a real piece of shit, the director, as well. He's kind of got this... Uh, Jonathan Baker is the name. I'll name and shame him. He's this uh, reality TV hack, basically, who's, like, done... He did a show called The Amazing Race in 2004. Like, I have no idea what it's... but But he's kind of like flitted around on like reality tv shows and stuff mm. like that. and it's like uh inconceivable is basically like a passion project for him and it's like
0: Oof. yikes
1: yeah and it's like you can tell he updates his imdb because uh he, he like he even puts like there's a lot of like uncredited i guess extra work on his imdb Oof. page and it's like
0: Oof! Too thirsty. <laughs>
1: you put that on there, didn't you, Jonathan? You like, do you know what I mean, you oh you ha- you happen to be in the back of a shot in uh, entourage, and you're gonna you're gonna chuck it on the list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Okay, that that says everything that we need to know about that movie. Nobody watched this one. Can't. It's not even so bad. It's fun to watch. It's just uh, it's painful. I think. Would do you disagree?
1: No, I yeah, I definitely. I I, I believe it may have a uh what is it uh how how did this get made episode and it kind (gasps) of like it it feels like that i i I remember listening i'm pretty sure i've heard that because i like
0: oh man i love that show
1: yeah because there's like that it's very much in their wheelhouse of like a film that is like what the what the (laughs) fuck like (laughs) because it's a film that relies on a twist but the twist makes no fucking sense.
0: Right, <laughs> extreme melodrama, but not not in a way that's at all interesting to unpack. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like fanfic. It like might as well be fanfic. Which, not to knock fanfiction, <laughs> but it's <laughs> should it did not belong in this movie.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Uh, let's let's swing that pendulum back the other way and go to your great uh, number four on your favorite Nick.
0: Okay, number four is The Incomparable Raising Arizona.
1: Which one you get? I don't know. Nathan Jr., I think. Give me here. Here's the instructions. Oh, he's beautiful. Yeah, he's awful damn good. I think I got the best one. I bet they were all beautiful. All babies are beautiful. This one's awful damn good, though. Don't you cuss around him. He's fine, he is.
0: What a wonderful little lollipop of a film that is! I, <laughs> I could uh, I could watch it over and over on a loop until I die and be pretty happy about it. What what a beautiful film! I don't really have anything new to say about it that hasn't been said much more articulately by uh, by brainy film critics. But I, man, I just think that's a really great use of Cage, and I think it was surprising to people at the time that his uh, his comedy skills were
1: that honed Mm, yeah and it's really interesting that there's like that nice it's a great year for cage 1987 so what you've got that and uh moonstruck Moonstruck, yeah and it's like you kind of get these the the both sides of the coin and it's like and, and he's like he could have gone either way at that point as being this like broody romantic lead or he could have gone like he could have really lent into the comedy and like right and, and, and it's it's great isn't it because it's almost that thing that like you you almost forget it's a cohen brothers film because like, right cage like oh like in a good way overshadows that film because he's got this uh, cartoon-esque performance that he mm-hmm. like, yeah the woody
0: woodpecker hair and everything <laughs> yeah, yeah and that
1: that, that that like from 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 research that that is something that he was like uh very much pushing because he was like he his big fan of like tex avery and stuff like that and those like cartoons and i think there's a reference with the woody woodpecker tattoo that um right Heimer right has. so like and. Yeah, I was watching some clips of that quite recently. And, like, both both him and Holly Hunter, like, it, it's just such a, like, a great, like, put-together film. And there's mm-hmm. there's a documentary, uh, I'm not sure if it's out, but I remember, like, seeing it on IMDb recently, and it was called, like, ah, uh, well, it's about, like, I don't I know the premise of it, it's all about the 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 babies from Raising Arizona. Like, oh where they are now
0: oh how fun <laughs> do any of them play football like in his dream
1: <laughs> I, I can't remember like but like it's just like it's it, like because like part like part of like research of this podcast i was thinking like oh, who, who would be like great to interview and i was like it would be great to interview obviously they'll know nothing about it but like i guess they would have been told loads of stories by their parents interviewing right interviewing like the baby like they stole basically <laughs> like, even if it's like twins i know a lot a lot of the time in those things like happens to be like identical twins that they use
0: right but, right yeah, oh that I, would be great <laughs> that would make a great movie actually just like about the child star who was in that that i would watch that
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah if, if if they do a, a um uh, was uh the massive way uh yeah the unbearable, unbearable. Way of massive, they do a sequel to that get the get like just for fan service get the baby from <laughs> get the get the grown-up adult from uh raising Arizona um, it
0: should be like a 10 minute short like as a blu-ray extra <laughs>
1: that's, that's all. get the studio on the phone we're pitching this <laughs> <laughs> amazing so let's um yeah again like it's it's what more is there to be said about that film? It's, it's just fantastic. So let's move on to number three of your worst Nick Cage films. Sure.
0: Um, I'm going to say it's Sunny.
1: Golden Globe winner James Franco. Golden Globe winner Brenda Blathen. Nina Suvari. Harry Dean Stanton in a film by Nicolas Cage. Sunny.
0: Which is his one directorial effort. And I feel terrible knocking the one movie that Nick Cage directed because I admire... (laughs) <laughs> I admire the, the effort and the, you know, the confidence that it takes to say, yeah, I've been in enough movies. Now I think I, I think I understand how to put one together myself and then the just <laughs> colossal miscalculation of, uh, of <laughs> everything that happens in that movie. Have you seen this one, Sunny Sonny? Yeah. James Yeah. I didn't love it. What, did you like it? I don't want to knock it if it's if it's. Nah, when
1: you're no, no, well, no. You can you can you can say what you want. A, a, a bit of discourse is always fun. But like, um, <laughs> I remember like just thinking and, and obviously knowing that Cage like that script was knocking about for years. Mm. Uh, I think Cage like was going to be in it, and I think like if this was like a late eighties Cage film with like an interesting director, and I think like think it might have been pitched to like paul schrader but he'd already done american gigolo Mm-kay, okay okay like, and it's like that thing of like if if it was like a yeah it's like and you can see that through james franco's performance where he's like literally oh, like totally. it's like he's just given him a load of d de- like his old movies and gone watch these pretend to be me please
0: yeah exactly i was so turned off by that i thought it was a uh so reminiscent of those like later period Woody Allen movies, which God, I'm sorry to even say his name on this podcast, but where you can tell like this is meant to be an avatar for the director who has aged out of the role. And so instead they've hired like an idealized, more beautiful version of themselves to try to like do that wish fulfillment. And I was so, it just left such a bad taste in my mouth. I do love Nick's weird, (laughs) <laughs> that shit cameo at the end of it, I think is so funny. But if, if there were more of that, I might feel differently about this movie, but um, it just really doesn't come together. And I think, you know, it's, it's handling of um, sex workers. I think obviously from, from our contemporary viewpoint um, is pretty cringy, but ugh, I, I wanted so much more from it. I wanted, cause I, you know, Nick's love for new Orleans is so, well documented Mm. that i really thought it could have been a more interesting use of the city and instead it seems like just really hackneyed i
1: don't know i find it really interesting that he says like the closest he's ever come to like portraying hit like the closest to him on screen is a film like joe Mm. yet the film he decides to make is this like i don't know quite broad and bawdy like I don't know, it's quite bad taste, like film about about like, and it's quite the episodic movie about like the exploits of a, of a male sex worker.
0: Totally. And it's, to me, that raised the question, is he trying to make some comment on how the life of an actor is comparable to the life of a sex worker? Is he trying to make some statement about how he feels used for his body? I, and I, it just, it just, it didn't come together for me.
1: Perfect. Well, let's try and wash the taste of that film out of our mouth. Great. <laughs> by going on to your number three of your favorites. Okay. Number
0: three of my favorites is adaptation.
1: I'm a Burroughs. I don't know what that word means. I've written myself into my screenplay. That's kind of weird, huh? It's self indulgent. It's narcissistic. It's solipsistic. It's pathetic. I'm pathetic. I'm fat and pathetic. I'm sure you had good reasons, Charles you're an artist. The reason is because I'm too timid to speak to the woman who wrote the book, because I'm pathetic, because I have no idea how to write, because I can't make flowers fascinating, because I suck.
0: Because oh. what's better than one Nicolas Cage? It's two Nicolas Cages. <laughs> that movie, I I on, and I think of all, of every movie that he's been in, I think, you know, re, regardless of performance you know even if he weren't in obviously he makes so much of the movie but I think overall quality wise that is the best movie on his whole IMDb page like flat out I think that is an incredible uh piece of work and I I can't imagine anyone else doing justice to those twins the way that Nick does but I think it's it's just such a gorgeous script and I'm glad he's in it
1: there's a perfect play of nepotism with that film because obviously at the time his cousin would have been married, uh, Sophia Coppola would have been married to Spike Jones, so like I always think like there's an element of like that's how they got Nick Cage because at that at that time he would have been real hot shit, right? He would have been like really like they, I don't know, and it's he's fantastic in it. Like it's one of those films where you you get lost in the fact that it's even him. And I think that's totally what, that's what makes it like, it's that film where you go, oh yeah, I just watched not one, but two Nick Cages. And like, I didn't feel like they were Nick Cage; I felt like they were Charlie and Donald Kaufman. And it's right, like-
0: right. And and to be able to compare those two performances side by side in the same frame is such a gift because, you know, instead of having to sit through a double or triple feature of him trying on different hats, like, <laughs> I'm gonna do a thriller, I'm gonna do a comedy, I'm gonna do this, I to see it exist side by side like that, I think, I think that opened a lot of people's eyes to his, to his range, if, if they hadn't been uh, by leaving Las Vegas, I think. I think this was a new level of um, impressive work.
1: So that film would have come out uh, in two thousand and two. and was mm-hmm. like, it's one of those films as well when people like don't tend to talk about the fact that it was a heavily like Oscar-nominated movie. So like, right. I think it was like, uh, and and one I think for uh, Chris Cooper for uh, best like supporting actor.
0: Mm, I think you're right. Yeah,
1: and it's like, yeah, I definitely feel like Cage, like, uh, re like, really doesn't get the heat. Well, for me, like, I- I'm I'm really quickly trying to find out like what else was nominated because this is something I always find fascinating. It's almost like the films that don't win mm-hmm. the Oscar like are, are normally better. Like it's. Do you know what I mean it's like it's like what what was the best like what what was the ex- actual best film that that year that X film won or whatever? Do you know what I mean like totally? Yeah, yeah, like well, like Green Book won the Oscar. Oh my god, definitely yeah. not the best film for that. But um, I know like adaptation of the film that has uh, stood the test of time. I think like I think it really like. Uh, talks to a lot of creatives I know I know friends of mine who are writers and stuff like that say it's it's a real tough watch because it it really taps into that that angst of trying to get something creative out of you and I know it's something that like I I definitely struggle with trying to like write stuff and like oh sure The, the
0: like the self loathing and the hyper criticism absolutely it's it, it, i can understand how it's painful for some people to watch uh it's killer they oh, so many elements of just you know like hollywoodism <laughs> i think are nailed <laughs> nailed by the by that movie like just every every meeting that he takes with with the uh, with different executives, I think (laughs) it's the tone that they strike of that like casual friendly, but also get this done and we need it done. and like, But how are you like, oh, it's okay. And like the unspoken, but like just below the surface, like the money pressure, I think, oh God, I think it's so, so beautifully executed.
1: Yeah, one of the like great, great things um, I've seen about that film is there's an amazing like Q and A with Susan Orlean. Mm, Um, God, I love her. her. The real Susan Lee talking about the film and like, kind of like talk about her interactions with the real Charlie Kaufman and stuff like that. And like to begin with, she was like, "You can't, you, you like, I've read your script is amazing, but I can't, I can't give you my real name for this. Like, this is like, this is almost right. ruinous. Like, you've got me like, you have got me doing drugs. You've got me like having face- an affair. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, um, but she also said that like, and I think it's a testament to i guess a divisive figure um in regards to like what people think of his output uh, like charlie kaufman said he's a, he's a genius in that he picked up on themes in that in the book that she like didn't come to realize until later like Ooh. he kind of picked up on things to do with her marriage and stuff like that and i think it was like after Ooh. that film came out that she like and she says it in this like interview that she got like she she did she she did divorce her husband, not not through like an affair or anything like that but like he kind of like really like tapped into that and it's like wow yeah and it's and, and there's a great like just to draw this back to your number 5 pick of your favorites uh it's interesting to me that Spike Jones's first two films star the two leads from uh, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. I hadn't. Wow. So many like extra textual layers <laughs> were unwrapping here about the wow, the nepotism and the personal lives. Wow. 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 My head is swimming <laughs> over that. That's
1: amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, another one being, being John Malkovich was originally like pitched to uh, Francis Ford Coppola, who <gasps> turned round to char- like turned round to whoever like the execs or whoever and said, I know the perfect guy for this. Like my son-in-law or like my, my daughter's boyfriend at the time, whoever, like was uh he, he should direct this. He is wow. gonna be, he's gonna be the future of cinema. Like uh, and then like and then it's like that thing of like we without without the copplers, we would have had no spike jones essentially we, were, we were, oh my like, gosh there could have possibly been no like no adaptation and i think yeah it's it's a perfect it's a it's a perfect pick but um
0: what a powerful dynasty they are <laughs> amazing
1: again like your your top five picks uh very much mirror some of the ones i absolutely love um but we can't always talk about the good times Let's <laughs> talk about some of the bad times with your number two worst nick cage films of all time
0: okay um this one i'll say is left behind
1: (laughs) yes i know you all want answers and believe me so do i and i'll do my best to get them
0: yikes i i can't stand this this is the one where there's it's kind of like the leftovers situation where there's you know like a big uh Mm -hmm. a big like semi-religious reckoning (laughs) where where, uh the the pure of heart people are like uh you know ascend into (laughs) into the afterlife or something and then everyone who else is left behind has to has to figure out (laughs) why they were left behind what they were doing wrong and it all takes place on a mostly on an airplane right am i remembering this correctly
1: it, it, yeah yeah so, so nick cage is uh raymond still and he's like <laughs> a, an, an airline pilot? pilot yeah yeah oh like, god and it's it's on an airplane that like does not resemble any airplane any human being has ever gone on it's kind of got these <laughs> like if you've ever gone to like a luxury cinema and they've got those like massive seats it's got these yeah <laughs> And it's, everything's really on the nose. And like, in regards to Cage performances, like, I think it's one of the dullest Cage
0: performances. Yes, he he is sleepwalking through this one and it's, it's a real bummer to see because if there had been a moment of, you know, that classic Gonzo Cage energy where he could unleash for a second that you know it might have it might have uh, turned things around for this or i don't know his something about the hesitation to address the actual like religious implications that they're kind of dancing around where it's this quasi-spiritual thing just ugh, it just it just felt really cowardly but like thinly veiled lifetime movie pro-jesus mess i don't know <laughs> It, it it rubbed me the wrong way.
1: Well, it is weird because it's based on like a a very popular like series of novels, like that, mm. are, that are like I mean big Christian uh, like yeah books basically. So right, so, right, and apparently like Cage did it because one of his brothers is a pastor. So like uh, what? Yeah, Christian. Oh, no christopher coppola yeah 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 and like
0: no way director then, of deadfall yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> are you kidding oh my gosh
1: yeah yeah he does a lot of like stuff with the church and like he said like um oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the book you should do it but then no. it, <laughs> part of me like i I've, I've like posed this theory a lot on the podcast and i think i might be right is that like it's almost like he's scared to like do his cagesms because like it might like offend the christians so instead Mm. really like wooden performance where it's like he's just kind of like turned up and gone well i will i will do i will do i will recite these lines yeah
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) oh my gosh wow that sheds new holy light (laughs) on that project wow i'm that makes me actually i i swore i would never watch that one again but now (laughs) this new information is is tempting me (laughs) to sit down with it
1: wow one of the things with it as well is like the 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 musical like score for left behind is wild it's kind of like somebody's rummaged through like license-free music and gone Let's have a bit of that
0: 100 it's like youtube beauty vlogger <laughs> soundtrack it is it's atrocious it's such it's such a mismatch too <laughs> and,
1: and, and then we have um like mrs uh mcfly herself so and you kind of yeah you get excited like you get excited by it because like it's like oh you got and it's that thing isn't it He's like, oh, you've got nicolas cage you've got Leah thompson it's like oh this is this could be great and it's like i, I don't know and then it's 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 definitely not they're not on screen at all together and like <laughs> <"Whoa."> yeah <laughs> it's got that
0: real made for tv quality yeah. oh, to it it's so preachy and uh not not to knock you know religious entertainment for what it is but it it seems to I, what bothered me is that it it doesn't seem to fully embrace one way or the other i think it's kind of like oh we've got some religious undertones but like maybe watch it cuz it's a nicolas cage movie and then maybe we'll convert you <laughs> through it you know it that just ugh, that just upset me
1: so there's a link between two of your worst nicolas cage movies do you know Ooh. what it is well no i don't it is, is it because...
0: the that actress sorry <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> N- Nikki wellen um from the the the, the like a bunny boiler from inconceivable oh 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 right 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 okay uh, (laughs) plays the, plays the 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 girlfriend like the air stewardess
0: yes okay behind so like oh my gosh maybe i secretly have some horrible (laughs) vendetta against this actress
1: i don't think it's you like it's not (laughs) you it's her like i think she's the kiss of death to a film
0: Oh no! I feel terrible. This I feel like this is awful. Like internalized misogyny <laughs> on display. She, I, but it's not. It's not about her performances. It's about how her, those characters are written. I guess that is just oh. thankless. You know, nothing redeeming about those characters, or even interesting.
1: Definitely, definitely. So, um, uh, again, okay. like weirdly, I could talk about Left Behind for ages because it is like, like I, I could just get bogged down talking about like how they went about filming the actual rapture scenes because i just just find it hilarious that like essentially what they would have done is just like held up some clothes and then (laughs) dropped them and then moved an arm out (laughs) Uh, but let's head on over to your number two for your favorite Nick cage. Please. Yes.
0: Okay. So I I want to say I like agonized <laughs> over compiling my top 5. It was so hard. And I finally got to a point where it was like, mm, in no particular order, the top 5 are this, <laughs> but <laughs> but so to put to arrange them uh by by my love for them is is difficult. So I finally decided at number 2 is Valley Girl, which I just think is the most precious one of the most precious depictions of teen romance ever i just think it's so charming and they have such amazing chemistry nick and um deborah foreman i
1: know what this is it's your fucking friends right shit julie i mean what is this It's between you and me not between the rest of the fucking world so fuck off it's your friends
0: and it's so it's like so believable and sizzling and yet it seems so innocent to me i I don't know and and then the soundtrack i just find to be sublime (laughs) i just i think it's it really it makes me really wish i were a teenager in love in the 80s in in a way that other rom-coms attempt and do not you know succeed at i just think it's so it has so much heart and you can tell that the budget is so minuscule but they (laughs) everyone working on that movie just like threw their whole attention and finances into it and it just it just really warms my heart to watch
1: it's great it's been a real hot minute since i've seen it because it's just it's near on impossible to like get in the UK. I think like oh really? Yeah, when I first watched it, it was like I had to I had to watch it illegally, guys. Ooh, uh, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, if you're listening to this episode, you've been on, you've been on board enough with the podcast that you're not going to report me to the police. <laughs> <laughs> but like, <Not> um, <laughs> it's I remember like uh, it's a film I definitely need to revisit because I think. I think it is that thing that, like, because I like started the podcast on that thing of like, it was almost like it. This is a challenge to see if I can watch every Nicolas Cage film. Mm-hmm. My, my attitude to begin with was very much that like thing of people who deride him online with all these memes of like, oh, "What the f- what the fuck's Nick Cage doing?" Like, ooh, like and th- and th- like I I was a lot harder on that film than it. I, it definitely deserves, and like probably like I think for comedy's sake, I was like on that episode a lot harder on it, and it's like mm. Mm, I want to go back and visit, and especially like since it's been like four years now since I like started the podcast. It's like oh, I've wow. done yeah. I've done a lot of growing up in that time, <laughs> so like I think I think I could definitely like I definitely would appreciate it a lot more, and like. I yeah. think w- without the, the caveat of having to record an episode on it, just to be able to watch it and enjoy it, like sure, yeah. and I and there there are things that like stick with me. I think there's like there's a brilliant like heartfelt moment when she tries to break up with him uh, uh, on the doorstep, and like mm-hmm. you, you kind of, and it's that great thing like it's ahead of its time as a movie, right? Because it's got that like whole that class thing like of like and i guess i, I guess it's kind of done with pretty in pink as well and stuff like that but this feels mm-hmm. like the 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 more real version whereas pretty in pink is like the hollywood version of that story
0: mhm i th- yeah and i think it's so interesting um the class thing that you mentioned that it doesn't seem the pressure uh to date within her own peer group doesn't at all seem to come from her family and it comes completely from her friends, her high school friends who are such assholes. I, uh, I hadn't, hadn't really seen that depicted before. And it's, I think it's a very real pressure and it's, uh, it's handled really carefully.
1: Yeah. And it's like that thing in the eighties, a lot of the time it would have been like the pushy parents, even to like, right. like big cultural milestones, like, uh, the karate kid. Do you know what I mean? It's like Ali's parents who are like, oh, you're dating this kid from Reseda? Right, <laughs> like... <laughs> that was
0: a brilliant impression. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's funny how supportive those parents are. I feel like I could walk out into Silver Lake right now <laughs> in LA and meet them and it would be, I wouldn't bat an eyelash. Like they're so progressive, especially when you think that that movie came out in 1983. I think it's so ahead of its
1: time. Well, don't they own like a kind of like basically like a vegan health health store as well yeah a health food store yeah. and restaurant yeah it's amazing and they're talking about
0: their like Birkenstocks and they're talking about being at Woodstock and the March on Washington they're like these wonderful hippies <laughs> and they, they don't say anything negative about Nick Cage's character the whole time it's really refreshing
1: yeah it's um if you have a chance uh check out the and this is for people at home as well type in Valley Girl thai poster and then compare it to the american poster of valley Garden oh England. no <laughs> it's a sight to behold it is great
0: oh i can't it's like,
1: wait it's like when you you get like the like somebody go, yeah this is like it's like it's like a nailed it basically you know like when they try and get like
0: expectation reality yeah exactly it's an
1: expectation (laughs) reality video yeah yeah yeah, like image it's yeah that's that's the perfect way to put it um oh great i can't wait to see it (laughs) so we're hitting to the the top spot of your least favorite nick cage film okay
0: i you know (laughs) i think it's trapped in paradise (laughs) which like on, on the surface it should it's like such an innocuous just like middle-of-the-road holiday comedy (laughs) but the reason I chose it is because it is this weird curio of a movie where it like it looks like the budget's fine like the cast is pretty impressive it looks like it should be you know of similar caliber to like planes trains and automobiles (laughs) but then there's this intangible quality to it where Nothing works. Like, I don't know if it was just the editing or something, something about the direction just leads to such a dumpster fire of a movie that has such grand potential and then does not. Oh, land it. It's like, what is happening? How many different scripts do we have here? Like all of the leads are in different movies. (laughs) It's just, it's so messy. And this might be enhanced by the fact that I, um, (laughs) I made my parents watch it with me when I was visiting them (laughs) for Christmas and they were so baffled by it. They were like, why are you doing this to us? (laughs) And I was like, I need to cross it off my list. (laughs) And so I think part of like, it has been, uh, his warped my memory of it is like thinking about how my parents were making these like groaning sigh noises the whole time like oh my god it's not over yet (laughs) so (laughs) it just it just sticks out like a sore thumb in my memory
1: (laughs) no it it, it is bad like you are right it is bad like it's it's a rudderless ship as well so the director um basically wasn't directing cage is reportedly like he directed a lot of the scenes and stuff like that oh like, my God. i think and, okay. I, and i think at that point probably had no directorial experience and it's a thing sure. about, i think if you had a proper director on that film a you wouldn't have got dana carvey doing that voice throughout that film. <laughs> that's right jesus yeah <laughs> and it's like the thing like obviously dana carvey and john lovitz uh are great for certain things. Like I, I, I said it on another. I got invited on a, a podcast to talk about that film for a Christmas episode. Ooh, it's fun! Of, it's that thing of like, um, as like an SNL sketch, like those characters. Interesting for like sure. a nearly two-hour movie. those no. <laughs> I want to fucking kill them both. Yeah, like, <laughs> very grating. Yeah, like John Lovett's popping up in an Adam Sandler movie, kind of like doing his like doing a John Lovitz, basically. Do you know what I mean? When he turns up in The Wedding Singer and he's, like, playing that, like, douchebag like a uh, rival singer it's like yeah. <laughs> perfect i'm all on board for that but when it's like here's john lovett's doing jazz hands essentially for two <laughs> hours like, fuck off john
0: exactly he should be he's one of those actors where he should just be the cinnamon in the recipe instead of being the flower you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> he's like he carries much too much weight in this movie and it becomes very tiresome, very quickly.
1: <laughs> well, there's a whole weird thing that him and Dana Carvey like. I think they had a uh, Las Vegas residency. Like they kind of do like a double act. Oh gosh! And that it's like, yeah, that like torture. <laughs> if you're saying to me like you've got you've got the choice of like Shania Twain or John Lovitz and Dana Carvey, so, <laughs> hey. Man, I feel like a woman tonight. Do you know what I mean? like I? Ain't, I ain't not going anywhere to those near those two. Like,
0: oh gosh, no, thank you. How funny! I mean, you know, I should I shouldn't be so hard on them. I love Dana Carvey in certain ways, but I, I don't think I would choose to to spend a precious evening that
1: way. Well, it is that thing, like, like I, I, for me, I was never like a Wayne's World. I was never like a massive Wayne's World guy. I was like. Mm-hmm in my head it was you you pick a camp it's your bill and ted or wayne's world and it's like oh how funny yeah I, I i i was more of like a a a bill and ted guy but like um i can see that and it's like the thing of like i don't know like apart from i've never seen master of disguise and i don't think oh i ever will uh <laughs>
0: watching the trailer is more than enough for that one <laughs> i think
1: and uh, yeah, like John, as I said, John Lovitz, when he pops up in like, I like me and my brother constantly quote like he, he's losing his mind, and I'm reaping <laughs> all the benefits like from the wedding singer at each other. I I, I love it. Like, if I hear Ladies' Night. Like I hear it, it, like with that, like John Lovitz, so he's like "Surface, the good mama When he does that real like, guttural, "Surface, the good mama." Like I hear that. I don't hear like <laughs> the cool and the gang version. I, I, I hear John Lovitz in my mind. <laughs> All four. Yeah. But...
0: this is the thing. Is it's this movie? It's the rare case of uh, the some. What what's the phrase that I'm looking for? The sum is lesser that the 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 final product is lesser than the sum of its parts. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like it has all these good elements that should come together with a little bit of je ne sais quoi and make like a charming enough family holiday movie, but instead everything falls short and it just it feels like work to watch it, which is, is not it's the opposite of how it should feel to watch a movie like that.
1: Well, it's got that thing as well that they're high, they're they're quite unlikable characters. Mm -hmm. they're not not the type of people you want to spend two hours of your life with no and it's like you're not
0: rooting for them really
1: (laughs) it's like somebody watched home alone and went you know what let's make a movie where we where we zone in on harry and marv it's like like, no no it's, it's just it's just quite bizarre and it's like the thing like I love Twin Peaks. So, like when Madge and Mick turns up, I'm like, oh. And then she's just sidelined. Do you know what I mean? And it's got totally. Like, it's, I'm like, "Girl, you in danger! <laughs> like, get
0: get out of there!" <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I was worried for her. The one thing I will will say about that film is like one of the funniest. The funniest person in it is Cage. Like, he delivers sure. some stuff like he's quite wild in some of his deliveries and there's definitely like some moments you can cherry pick from that moment to like put in a kind of comedy sizzle reel and it will be like it's quite fun but like right the whole film the film as a whole does not hang together do you mean no not a bit it is i don't yeah as you said like your expectation is plane trains and automobile and then you've kind of got this like I don't know nativity like a plastic nativity scene that's been left by the fire when you're <laughs> trapped in paradise. It's like oh my god, like exactly. I mean, I, we haven't even mentioned how like just like I don't even. I kind of don't want to mention it, but like how disgusting the giblet gravy scene is with Dana Carvey. Well, oh my god,
0: <laughs> I, I think I have like <laughs> repressed the memory of that. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um that is yeah, like I can I can definitely see why that and and coupled with the like holiday memory with your parents where it's like <laughs> it's been a tough year. I yes. I I've got the opportunity to spend it with my folks. Right. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And and now it's mired by this absolute shit show. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Exactly. I'd like to formally apologize to you, mom and dad, if you're listening (laughs) for making you sit through that with me. Thank you for
1: your support. (laughs) Amazing. So let's get on to number one of your favorite Nick Cage films.
0: Yes. Number one, it's Moonstruck. A perfect glittering diamond of a film (laughs) that I could watch forever and find something new to love every time. What is life?
1: I didn't come here to
0: upset you. They say bread
1: is life. And, and I bake bread, 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 <clears throat> and I sweat. And shovel this stinking dough in and out of this hot hole in the wall. And, and I should be so happy. Huh, sweetie? You want me to come to the wedding of my brother Johnny? Where's my wedding? Chrissy? Over by the wall, bring me the big knife. No, Ronnie. Bring me the big knife. I'm going to cut my throat. Maybe I should come back another time. No, I want you to see this. I want you to watch me kill myself so you can tell my brother Johnny on his wedding day, okay? a bring me the big knife. I tell you, I
0: won't do it. What really stands out to me about that movie is there is not one moment that I think needs to be cut. I think its entire runtime is perfect. Every single element is flawless. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just gushing at this point. I just, it was such a surprise to me, this movie. Like I had heard, I, I hadn't seen it until last two, two years ago. Maybe I, I, had, I had never heard of Nicholas Cage being in it at all. I have, I had only known that it was Cher kicking the can down the street and having the big, beautiful hair. I like, I had no idea what to expect. And then, and then my friend uh, was like, you need to see this. This is a fantastic rom com. You'll love it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then Cage's performance is such a revelation to me. This his performance in this is what um what kicked off my desire to do the whole year of cage project. So it's it's really uh near and dear to me. It's it's uh such such a hoot to watch him in this.
1: It's a film that's got got like a bubbling like sexual tension to it that's like it's like I, I don't think i've ever seen that like portrayed on screen any better of just like him and like shit like this kind of like feisty Ita- like italian like energy to it and it's like yeah of bo- both of them and it's like that thing of like are they gonna at any moment, it's like, are they gonna fight or fuck? And it's like, right, right. That is, that's the movie, basically. It's yeah like...
0: this this was the first time I had never it had never ever occurred to me that Nicolas Cage could be considered handsome. Like I <laughs> I had no idea that people out there found him to be uh, a handsome guy. And then I saw this, and I was like, whoa! <laughs> he's got animal magnetism that I did not acknowledge before. So <laughs> it was it was a big turning point for me. <laughs> yeah
1: again, it's one what, it's what I haven't revisited in a couple of years, and it's like, it's that thing, like, I, I know recently, like, uh, it got like a, a Criterion release in the US.
0: Oh, yeah, it's having a real moment right now.
1: Uh, yeah, and I'm like, I just, like, see stills of it all the time, I'm like, I really need to go back to that, and it's like the thing of, like, it's not a streaming anywhere, and it's that thing, like, for me, I'm, like, holding out that, like, Criterion UK give it that Blu-ray release, because I'm like, I want to see it in the best possible way like yeah. enough, like I've been so so hard done by recently watching like Francis Ford Coppola films on like early DVDs where it's like oh god you know like where it's like a square on the screen it's like this, <laughs> this isn't how this film is supposed to be viewed but like right there's again like uh, there's great footage I think it's the like it must have been what the 1988 Oscars when um sean connery finally won the oscar for best actor for the untouchables oh, share yes. and Nicolas cage present the oscar to him and their chemistry together like cage is kind of being a bit wild it's kind of like not as much as the i'm not sure if you've ever seen the the terry wogan like entrance when he like front flips and throws out all the money like uh oh yes, yes the, yeah. the, the i've seen to. the gif of that yeah <laughs> yeah he's it, it, kind of like got that like the energy he's got in that like the swagger and like oh gosh but then you've got Cher saying to him like don't don't make me hit you Nikki and it's like that, that, like, sexual tension is, like, bubbling <laughs> still. Like, do you know what I mean? At the Oscars. It's like, come on, guy. I and my, my favorite element of that,
0: of their chemistry, is <laughs> that she's 15 years older <laughs> than he is. That is, that rocks my world, that she's got this, she's, like, so sophisticated and worldly, and he's just, like, this, like, punk-ass kid with, like, <laughs> hot, bubbling blood. <laughs> and they're just the perfect match. I, God, I love it so much.
1: Yeah, they're, they're like, it's, it is great. Like, and I definitely like, it's definitely a contender for like my, 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 like like, well, my, and it's like, it's a really sweet film as well, isn't it? It's like, yeah, of, like,
0: that's the thing is it's got ha- the, on the one hand, it's got, it's like super sexy and electric, but then on the other hand, it like functions as this really wistful like fairy tale. So I, the, the tension between those two poles I think is, is so special and that's what makes it, so magnificent to watch over and over again because you you can see those two forces at play and it's it's wonderful
1: in my mind um the 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 moonstruck universe is in the same universe as the rocky universe so like in new york you've got uh, <laughs> you've got cajun share like do you know what i mean like falling love and yeah. over in philadelphia you've got rocky and adrian for, like, oh my God. Like, another these, Coppola yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you got, <laughs> got these great like I, I, I think for me like especially the first Rocky film they both like play in that same sandbox of like just these like really tender like love stories and I think like for me like Rocky 1 is is that more than anything? More than a sports movie? Is this? Oh thing? sure, Adrian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things, these two, two, two kind of outsiders falling in love and like, just yeah, like the the passion in uh, Moonstruck. And I'd be remiss not to mention the the like, took my hand, like the kind of like he's like, I bake
0: bread. I lost my hand. I lost yeah. my bread. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. iconic. Like, and that's like pretty much his introduction as a character right it's like in yeah like, that's his first
0: scene yeah. <laughs> Comes out guns blazing in that movie and does not let up it's yeah.
1: <laughs> magnificent that's what you want and what's great about that oscar like uh performance of those two is that like they're they're pretty much dressed how they are when they go to the opera so it looks like oh, they yeah. wa- walked off the set of that movie onto the oscars stage. Oh beautiful. Oh beautiful. Gosh. That's that's touching. <laughs> Perfect. That's that that that's that's been an amazing yeah. Both of your top fives have been great. It's been amazing to talk about this film. Thank you. Thank before, you. before I let you go, um just a free free fun questions. Um yeah. what what is the worst hair Nick Cage has ever had in a movie?
0: This was tough. Um I settled on Bangkok Dangerous.
1: Oh, <laughs> and war. you are correct.
0: It that that piece just looks like it is running away from his face and it it makes me sad. It just makes me sad. I love the ones I love the movies where he has a full wig that's kind of like shoulder length long hair. I think I think he rocks that. I think I'm talking like Season of the Witch. Uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice style. Like when he has a a full wig that is like, or even, even this is, this is polarizing to say, but even those photos of uh, Superman lives (laughs) where he's doing the costume fitting and he's got that long hair, I think is so interesting with his bone structure. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think he should lean into that more, but then Bangkok Dangerous, it's like half of that wig it's like someone cut a circle like in the very center of a long-haired wig and like scotch taped it to the back of his head and it just upsets me it's it's like very sad Elvis it's it's a bummer it's just a bummer to look at
1: well it's that thing as well it's like I don't know it's like it's like a skullet basically it's got yeah it's like it's like no party in the like it's like no business in the front and a party you don't want to be in at the back. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll avoid. I'll avoid that party. <laughs> it's
0: sad. I just can't believe, and in so many of those like post twenty ten movies that he's been in, when he has a bad hairpiece like that, I just, I'm just always astonished that enough people. Signed off on it. Like, I could, you know, it takes so many people to say, like, yeah, that's fine. That works. Yeah, that's great before it like reaches our TV screens. And I just can't believe that it got enough yeses to like make it to the final product.
1: Well, I think with Bangkok Dangerous, the poster for that movie as well is the, the same case. It looks like a first pass by the graphic designer because it's like, it probably was like this weird thing with his arm where it almost looks like his hands, like it's always supposed to be going under his jacket but the way it's like positioned it looks like its arms going into him and it oh, and it all geez. looks a bit like photoshopped and it's like <laughs> how many people have looked at this and then gone yep
0: yeah that works yeah
1: <laughs> green <laughs> that, light yeah yeah, yeah that's the, like do you know what I mean somebody's like i i i picture it like i don't know like like uh americans got i don't you know when they're picking like finalists for like a, a games and they're kind of got got Polaroids laid out on a desk and then they're going, yeah, that's the one. Like, that's, <laughs> no, We've no, got it's, a winner.
0: Yeah, has, no, it's not, um,
1: So um, yeah. as you're probably aware, Nick Cage is known for doing some very dexterous things with his voice in movies. <laughs> what is the craziest voice he's ever done in a movie?
0: Um, I'm sorry. I have two answers for this one. The first one we we mentioned uh, Army of One. He's got that crazy nasal voice that just is so grating and does not at all match to me like the rest of his body's performance. I don't know if it was because that it was what that actual man sounded like or what, but it's it's ridiculous. And then in his like <laughs> he has that fantasy or a hallucination where he's talking to Osama bin Laden and he says like assalamu alaikum binny boy and it just it makes my skin crawl <laughs> it's just ridiculous but then the second answer is um <laughs> the atrocious italian accent he's committing in uh captain Corelli's mandolin oh, have wicked. you seen this
1: yeah yeah of course I said captain- oh, oh God, i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm offended uh, by that film in in two ways, that accent and the fact of like uh, it's, it's it's set on a Greek island where like yeah. obviously I'm I'm half Greek and it's like uh, it's like you've got a Christian Bale doing an equally bad Greek accent and it's like <laughs> so you've probably got like the most Spanish looking woman in the world. Oh my god, and sounding well. <laughs> yeah to play a Greek woman, it's like come
0: on that, guys like oh my god what a mess and nick, i just i had really this my mistake was that i had high expectations for what his italian accent would sound like because i thought if anyone could do it it's a coppola <laughs> like if anyone can nail this it's nick and then it, it comes out just like so mario sounding yeah. <laughs> that it just
1: upset me <laughs> perfect perfect. yeah that is a that that both oh but they they're both real stinkers. So um <laughs> get on to like what a lot of people sign on to a nick cage film for what they what they always look for is him paging out freaking out. What is the best nick cage freak out in a movie?
0: Ooh, um to me the most memorable one is um Deadfall directed by <laughs> his his dear brother. Just the whole second act. <laughs> Of that movie, like starting from when he's like at the strip club alone, to then when he gets his face um, stuck in the deep fryer, <laughs> I think is so fun to watch. And you know, I, I, the other the other obvious choice is Vampire's Kiss, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But everyone talks about this one. Deadfall, on the other hand, I had never heard of, and I think it belongs in the same conversation as vampires kiss it is it is that unhinged and that fun to watch
1: <laughs> well it's got that thing as well that like it's so many like bizarrely quotable moments in that and there's like great there's great youtube videos where they've just compiled losing his shit all of, no 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 just nick cage's moments in deadfall so it's like all oh of just, all of just just nick cage in that movie and it's, oh. <laughs> it's perfect and but- i, I a line that, like, I, I would say, it haunts me a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the time is when the, he's like, "Have He's like, "I think he's like, cut, he just cut, like, stabs the guy in the throat," and he's like, it's like, Sam fucking Peckinpah." And yeah. Like, yeah what? Why have you just like c- quoted the name of like, like, a like a you know I mean? like a seventies director out of nowhere? Like, <laughs> Or he's like Vive la fucking France. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and okay. then, like, what one like I what I thought was great with the history of swearing is uh, the history of swear words is there's a um there's a great deep cut from Deadfall, like that they put in the trailer and in the show where he does that prolonged like <gasps> yeah yeah like for the for the nerds like me and you who've yeah. watched, watched <laughs> them all for like the kind of the. The crate diggers of Nick, Nick Cage fans. And totally, you see that, and then you go like, they're referencing Deadpool. Like, <laughs> like they've really done their research for this show. <laughs> and, and it and it shows that like I don't know. I think Cage is like uh entering an interesting stage in his career, and probably like yeah, leads lead us on to the, the end of the podcast. Is like he's like really self aware, and it's like that thing of like. Obviously, one of my hopes, like, one day for this podcast is to be able to talk to Nick Cage. And it's like, with the fact he's doing stuff like that, you think, oh, like, he will talk about that stuff. I know, like, a lot of actors, like, don't check, like, there's certain movies they go, like, I don't. or their PR will be, like... Don't mention this,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's
1: like, like Bruce Willis. It's like, don't, I don't know. Like, it's probably the, lot, the list is probably longer of films you can't talk about than it is you can't do you know what I mean like
0: sure sure yeah like yeah I'm I'm uh I'm kind of viewing this current iteration of Cage's career as like his Chuck Norris phase where he like is just a walking meme and is kind of leaning into that in a way it makes me sad because I think I think that he has more great performances in him. I like I think my hope is that he could get another Oscar nomination someday. But I don't know if
1: that's uh, ridiculous. No, my thing for it, I wouldn't say like Chuck Norris. I would say it's like Jeff Goldblum from a few years ago when he oh sure. Really lent into being like I am Jeff Goldblum. Do you mean the airy (laughs) fairy Jeff Goldblum where he's kind of doing like uh Videos for Vice where he's doing like a- ASMR videos of like, because he's known to have that like voice and like,
0: yeah, or like, come see my jazz band. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> or like, like, he, like when you see Jeff Goldblum in interviews now, he's like, all of a sudden, he's like affected this way of like kind of holding himself where he is kind of like, oh, look. and he dresses
0: like a dandy and yeah.
1: I think Cage, and and, and I guess. A question I didn't send to you beforehand, but I guess it's, it's quite relevant. For it's a new year, and obviously there's new cage stuff um, coming up. Of what you know about of uh, the cage, like films or projects that are slated for the future, is there one you're particularly excited about?
0: Yes, I I'm actually quite excited to see the Joe Exotic project. <laughs> I think I think um, it has the potential to be too off the rails but i also think that i think nick's like <laughs> forgive this horrible phrase but like his, his instrument is so well calibrated and he is in such good control of it that i think he's going to turn in something really insightful and interesting and also i was trying to think has he ever played an out gay character before i uh-huh. can't think of another time he has so i'm 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 you know cautiously optimistic that this will be an interesting uh interesting turn for him what do you think are you looking forward to that one
1: i'm really looking yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like looking forward to to, to all of it or like and it's that thing in in like cage terms this looks like one of the sh- like potentially strongest years of like output whether it's like uh prisoners of ghost land like uh yeah like, like teaming yeah teaming up with again it's, it's, it's similar it kind of harkens back to the John Woo thing with Face Off it's like it's a it's a prolific Asian director making his first English language film I know Face Off wasn't John Woo's first English language but it's like somebody who's like in certain circles Sion Sono has like he's yeah like does like two to three films a year and stuff like that it's like insane he's like uh but like the fact that like he's decided i'm gonna make an english language film and not only am i gonna do that i want nick cage to star in it really like gets me excited Um, totally
0: and the buzz around that one has been so positive i
1: I, I have high hopes yeah and it's like what it's been announced for Sundance, and it's like right. that—that's like that's normally like a high water mark for a movie, right? And then it's like you've got the unbearable weight of massive talent, and even if you strip Cage away from that, obviously he's the linchpin of it. But like you look at the cast surrounding him, it's like you've got what probably one of the hottest actors working right now in Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. You've got Neil Patrick Harris. Oh God, like, <laughs> forget. Like, it's like, for all intents and purposes, like it can be hit and miss, but like if he's kind of like, for me, like some of the funniest Neil Patch Harris is is in the Harold and Kumar movies when he's oh, sure. of very much playing high camp and like...
0: Yeah, the self-aware performances are much more fun.
1: Yeah, so I've, and I've, I have a feeling that's possibly what we might get. And then what? Yeah. T- Tiffany Haddish and Sharon Horgan, Oh movies.
0: god, I love Sharon, and she's so fun. Then, yeah, <laughs> that's to, right.
1: It's like that cast is insane. You got yeah. you got Willy's Wonderland, which looks like oh it's my gosh, be absolutely fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a film that like looks like it should be an A twenty four movie. That film Pig with him and Alex Wolff. Oh right. Uh, right, 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 right. And like Nicolas Cage plays like um like an ex chef. Um, who spends his day's truffle hunting <laughs> with his prized pig and then the pig's kidnapped and he has to get it back but like he's oh made, he's made the big caveat in interviews that like it's not like a revenge thriller it's like more of like a character piece and i'm like that's even more interesting it's not Hell like, yeah it's like a they're trying to cash in on that john wick money it's like this is potentially going to be like I don't know, like, in the same vein as, like, Joe. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, and
0: it's like... Like, like if John Wick didn't choose violence and instead just, like, spent 90 minutes, like, reflecting on the loss of his dog.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, and kind of, like, drinking in bars, like, talking to, like, people going, like, oh, it fucking sucks, man, that my, <laughs> my dog died. Check me out. Yeah, been there, man. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and then it's like, I don't know, like, I guess around the time it would have been made, like uh, like Alex Wolf, I don't think would have signed on to a real dud because I'd imagine when that film got made, it would have been post hereditary and like his mm-hmm. kind of like his kind of inbox Indeed, would, have been, would have been flooded with stuff and it's right, like, but it, that that that's one of those weird ones that kind of seems to be in just like post production limbo whenever mm-hmm. I find DB and it's like it kind of feels like something that should have at least been like touted for some kind of film festival if and when that happens who knows but yeah yeah fingers I, crossed yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 2021 like even if the world burns down it looks like it could be a good year for give Nicholas us pig <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful amazing marianne thank you so much for for coming onto the podcast um is there anything you want to plug? Do you want to plug your social media or anything like that or like do you want like uh... Uh,
0: Yeah, I <laughs> Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter if you want. My handle is Mary Pants. Um I'm thinking about starting a separate Nick cage accounts because I like I don't want to flood <laughs> my my one account with stuff that is I know alienates a lot of my friends, <laughs> so keep your eyes peeled for some more cage content from me. but thank you so much for having me. This has been the, the highlight of quarantine. <laughs> thank you so much. love talking to you.
1: No, thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy and thank you for coming and raging with cage with me
0: anytime man <laughs> happy 2021 happy nick's birthday
1: and that was marianne zumberg and her top and bottom nick cage films i'm sure you'll agree with me that they are some fantastic choices on both sides of the scale. She really does have a nose for the stinkers as well as nose the good ones. I loved talking about Moonstruck and just, yeah, all of her picks. But, yeah, again, thank you very much to Marianne for coming on the podcast. That is if you're listening. You might not want to listen back to a conversation that you're on. I totally understand that. That's why I never listen to my own podcast. I say that, but I did listen to myself on the fantastic Sudden Double Deep podcast that came out yesterday. If you are listening to this in real time, uh, or, yeah, it came out on this Thursday, so the 21st of January, where we discussed three Nicolas Cage films. So The Wicker Man spider-man into the spider-verse and mandy in their man triple bill because they are the free films linked by a word podcast and daryl Jeanette, and matt are bloody fantastic uh check that episode out uh if you're a fan of me but check out their podcast because it's better than this one I don't, I shouldn't be saying, well, it should be, it's, it's equally as great, it's fucking great. It's a great, great podcast. So do check those guys out. Um, this is the point as well where I should be plugging away, guys, that you can now pre-order the first ever Caged In t-shirt, which is a Not The Bees Wicker Man uh, in, uh, inspired t-shirt designed by an amazing artist called Tim Sinclair and you will be the talk of summer's of. when you're going to those uh, sacrifices and when, when the harvest is low and you you're walking around you you're doing your harvesting you're you're tending to the bees you'll look the genuine bees knees in this t-shirt it's uh, it's got this like crazy design that I kind of I've concocted up in my mind but has this feature that you can flip the t-shirt over your head to reveal the cage's face in the cage of bees essentially uh from the wicker man so you can you can ruin every family photo for the foreseeable future so yeah do check out that that is a cagedinpodcast.limitedrun.com i've made them for like as reasonably priced as I can so they're 13 pound plus postage and packaging postage and packaging obviously uh internationally if you listen to abroad is slightly more but like that's only because that's like a tiny bit more than what it costs me to ship it okay I'm like genuinely I just want these to be out I want these to be out for me to break even and not for these to bankrupt me so please do uh pre-order a t-shirt, that would be fantastic. And I could say this because I didn't d- design them myself, but the illustration is fantastic. On next week's podcast, uh, we're, 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 we're really getting to the end. We've got three films left. And next week's uh, episode is with Logan Kenny to talk about the 2019 erotic thriller southern gothic drama grand isle directed by steven campanelli and it's a great conversation And this is one if you haven't subscribed to the patreon i would really really recommend it with this one just because me and logan end up talking quite a considerable chunks, so you'll probably go get an extra like 20 to 30 minutes extra just talking a bit deeper about cajun obviously i've got like free bonus questions that i ask from the patreon section and stuff like that but logan has some amazing answers and it kind of veers down in some really interesting places so yeah do be sure to check out that it's only two pound a month and since the start of this year, every episode has kind of had a little bit of an extra chunk. And moving forward, every episode will have a little bit extra. And then on top of that, I'm going to chuck in some bonus episodes as well. So hopefully, it's, it's worth it's worth the money. <laughs> um, so yeah, check out uh, that episode next week. And that's, that's it, guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk then about what we've got coming up then there'll be another bonus episode next friday but i'll tell you about that next week so as always guys i've been petrus pat silvers i've been caged in you've been amazing
0: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
1: This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copeland Connections, a AdroopTown Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come.